1: Hey, what's going on, beautiful people? It is Wednesday, and I'm so excited for you to be here with me on another week of the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast. I don't take Wednesdays lightly. That means that you have made it halfway throughout the week. So y'all know whenever you get that notification that Dr. Shonda has a new podcast that dropped let that be a daily reminder or a weekly reminder that I have gotten halfway through the week. Let me go ahead and listen to this episode to get me through the rest of it. <laughs> I'm your host, Dr. Shonda. And listen, y'all, it's been a pleasure just being here with y'all every single week. Um, I know I said this is a weekly podcast, but... I've been kind of thinking and I just got back from a podcast summit so they kind of like motivated me a bit. I'm wondering if y'all would enjoy if we dropped an episode more than once a week. If so, let me know. I would love to hear back from you if you put it inside of the comment section of the Apple reviews or Spotify Spotify reviews or you can go ahead and DM me and let me know what you think. But you know, I'm. it's a lot of work in podcasts and I'm not going to hold you. It is a lot of work, uh, but I'll do it if it's something that you guys will like or if you would benefit from it. So here's the format. Y'all ready? I'm thinking about doing my full show. So like the 30 minutes with myself or an hour long with um, a guest on Wednesdays still. So that would still drop on Wednesdays. But I wanted to add in like more like coping sk- coping skills and tips and strategies throughout the week. Uh, They won't be long episodes, but maybe just like a little five minute drop, six minute drop. But y'all let me know. I want to know if y'all would benefit from that. So without further ado, I know we've been kind of doing this little trend where we've been highlighting people who have been, um, you know, showing love to the podcast on our Apple podcast ratings, as well as on Spotify. So if you haven't done so already, I need you right now in this very moment to go ahead and go to the Apple Podcast app, which is right in your phone. Every single Apple device has an Apple Podcast app. I'm so surprised that so many people don't know this. I've been having to re-explain this. But if you have an iPhone, you have an Apple Podcast app. So go to the app, find the podcast, scroll down, and you'll find ratings and reviews. Leave me a five-star rating and a good night, a good little review, and I'll give you a shout-out on the pod. You can also do the, sp- the same on Spotify. So let me know. would we'll love to feature you. So we have some brand new reviews. Um, I've been getting a lot of reviews lately from uh, people who just been on the uh, listening to the pod since um, <laughs> me being at their school, like speaking or whatever, or like events that I've been at. So let me just try and find the ones that I want to look at. Bear with me, y'all. Okay, so here's a few. Um, I think I left off after Fine Girl A, left that dope review. Um, the Real One said, love this podcast. Heart emoji, thank you. Uh, Miss Aaliyah M said, tap in now. Thank you, Real. Dr. Shonda is amazing from Nail Bell. I uh, love it. Pretty Love 03 said, she is amazing. A three two nine zero two said, they give the podcast a 100 out of 10. Thank you, beloved. I appreciate that. Um, so I appreciate all the love y'all been showing me. Someone recently shared it in a story and they tagged me. So you guys love sharing it in your story, but sometimes y'all forget to tag me. Don't forget to tag me, y'all, because I do want to give you a shout out. But um, I appreciate everyone who supports the podcast. But do me a favor: if you are a millennial, or even if you're not a millennial, and you know you just want to show love to the podcast or share the con the conversation, go ahead and click on that copy link. Uh, where it says the podcast episode and put that in your group chat share it to your family share it to your friends because I promise you you're gonna want to tune into this episode I know for a fact that I have some 90s babies in here I can't be the only one I I feel like I'll be talking to myself when I'll be talking about 90s stuff on TikTok because you know that's like a younger app but it's got to be people on the podcast who grew up with Nick Jr., who grew up watching Face on Nickelodeon before going to school, who grew up watching things like Gullah Gullah Island, y'all. Like, I don't, you can't be a kid who's a 90s millennial, you grew up in the 90s on Nickelodeon and you don't know who, who Nick, um, Gullah Gullah Island is, for real. Miss, so guess what? They are my special guests for today. That's right. Mr. Ron and Miss Natalie from Gullah Gullah Island stopped by the podcast to talk about all things Gullah Gullah Island they talked about the history of Gullah Gullah Island pertaining to the Gullah Geechee people of Florida and South Carolina which I did not know there were some in Florida uh, but you guys will learn more about that what that meant to black kids how it helped our self-esteem and all those things I can't wait for us to get into this episode but before I go ahead and let them share I want you to share 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 this podcast with as many people as possible if you're not hater, go ahead and leave a five-star rating and allow me to continue to provide information to the masses. All right, y'all. I can't wait for y'all to get into this episode. Let me know what you think. Hello. Hello. (laughs) It's so great to have Mr. Ron and Miss Natalie here. I appreciate the both of you for stopping through the podcast.
2: Thanks for inviting us. Glad we can do it.
1: Yes, of course. Of course. It is such a pleasure. Um, I'm sitting with two living legends. Um, So it is certainly uh, an honor to have this conversation with you. Uh, I personally grew up on Gullah Gullah Island. Um, When you guys were on tour, I saw you in Delaware. My parents went to uh, take us in Delaware. So it's always been amazing. I loved how you guys just Put on for the culture. Um, you know, everything was just, you know, black, bliggity black, you know, benya benya was black. I could tell by the hop in his polywag. Like it was just amazing. <laughs> it was amazing <laughs> to see. So again, welcome. And we're just going to have a great conversation today. Okay, good. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So if you can tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, just for the listeners, so they can know a little bit about your background.
3: Well, I was born on St. Helena Island, South Carolina, which is in Beaufort County which is a sea island. When I was a child, sea islander was the word that we used, but it's known today as Gullah Gigi culture um, and heritage. And that heritage is from uh, the descendants of those enslaved Africans who were brought to this community on the southeastern coast of the United States for the production of cash crops, primarily of rice. And so rice heritage is something I grew up with um, and I am the ninth and last child of Henry and Kathleen Days.
2: amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. I like that because his mama, when she said she had nine children because she didn't ho- know how not to, and I told <laughs> her I'm glad she didn't figure it out. So, <laughs> <I got nine. laughs> so I'm Natalie. I'm actually Natalie Eldridge Days. Uh, mm-hmm. I was raised in central New York, um, but, uh, my auntie married into a, a, a sea island, a Galagichi family and moved her family there, including my grandma. And so, um, some, wow, a long time ago when grandma was ill, um, as is often with Southern families, they pick somebody to send home. They did not ask me send down. <laughs> um, but I was the one who was picked to go help grandma and auntie. So, um, I told them I'll come down two weeks, y'all. And you know, it's been 40 years. Yes. (laughs) I met Ron a few months after I got here. um, He is not why I stayed, but I'm glad that I did. And uh, so we, he and I have been um, singing together and telling stories and doing this together for a long, a long time, decades. Amazing.
1: Amazing. It was such a pleasure just uh, seeing your story, seeing how everything unfolded, even on a national uh, stage, Mm -hmm. um, nationally syndicated show. And I'm wondering for the both of you, like, how did that come about? Like, was it something that um, the show, they came to you all or?
3: Well, prior to uh, being asked to be a part of the program, Uh, I had written a book, I was writing a book at the time that Natalie and I met. It's called Reminiscences of Sea Island Heritage where I had documented oral histories of community members I'd grown up under. Their beliefs, customs, um, traditions, had old uh, songs, spirituals and work songs of the community and historical photographs from the late 1800s to 1900s. And after that book was published, uh, we scripted it into a theatrical performance mm-hmm. that we toured the country, uh, performing, mm-hmm. bringing those stories to life. And it was at that time uh, we, uh, our firstborn was uh, she was potty trained on the road. Uh, mm-hmm. We were expecting our secondborn, and we knew that something needed to be changed. Uh, Natalie could not go into these uh, school classrooms with the, the Tubes. cafeterias. of Wow. <laughs> the smells that would be um, permeating. And there she was.
0: Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba da ba ba ba.
3: And something needed to change. And it was at that time that we came in touch with Gloria Naylor. Gloria Naylor, the novelist, had written Mama Day about a fictional Gullah community. And afterwards, after the book was published, she bought a home. On St. Nolan Island and we became friends. And I let Nellie take oh, over. So. well,
2: so yeah, Gloria's a friend. Um, she called herself, I remember when when my daughter was born, and she showed up at our house with this with this stroller that looked like a Cadillac of strollers to us. And she said, <laughs> just think of me as your rich auntie. So that was rich auntie vibes before folk were saying yeah. rich auntie. That was 30 something years ago. Right. And um, so she, we we were friends, and um, some years later when I was pregnant with my son, um she was actually having a novel option for a movie. It, n- it never went, but she was bringing down her friend who was on work with her on this. And um, she brought her friend down to St. Helena and we went out late one night to eat cold chicken on somebody's porch. Mm-hmm. You know,
3: Lawrence Fishburne was to be the star and also the um, director. director of it. And the woman, as Natalie said, who was to be the executive producer of Mama Day*. Uh, Disney movie, but uh, this Disney movie never came into being. Uh, during the dinner conversation, we were asked what were our views on children's television programs and we responded. Our, our daughter was three years old at the time and we knew what we would like. One of the things we had hoped for for children's TV was that there would be a program that our daughter would watch and that afterwards desired that she had blonde hair and blue eyes. And uh, uh, Maria Perez, Mm -hmm. who was to have been the executive producer of the movie, said that she and her business partner, Kathleen Minton, back in New York, were working on a television program idea that they wanted to pitch to Nick Jr., who was looking for multicultural programming. Uh, She was from Puerto Rico. It should be about some enchanted, magical go island. This was her first time going coming to a Gullah community, would we be interested? And we said, sure. But we had heard offers like that before from the performance that we did. And we never heard anything from those others who had told us um, uh, they knew people or could do something. She said when she got back to New York, she would get in touch with her business partner and then be back in touch with us. And we said, yeah, right. But that's exactly what happened. And um, a creative team, uh, flew down and they followed us around uh, for about a week. And um, I'm a uh, former newspaper reporter. So was Mr. Ron. Uh, Miss Natalie uh, did crafts. That's what Miss Natalie does. Yes. Uh, our, uh, uh, our daughter, we would entertain her because we would be traveling. Doing performances, and when we were home, I wanted to push her on the swing and engage with her in our home environment. And that's what the the creative team saw, and that's what they uh, produced um, for this fictional Gullah 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 Island community.
2: The um, head writer at the time, Brackenbell Hyman, who I love dearly to this day, after hanging out with us, he said, "Okay." I know you don't do TV, you just be you and we'll work around that. Mm-hmm. And that made me feel okay. Cause we could just be ourselves with yes. our children. Um, my yeah. son was born, um, <laughs> you know, came in there. When we met Maria Perez, I was very pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then when they said, well, come up to New York and meet the folk at Nick so we can talk about it. I was like nine months pregnant. I said, no, said not, not coming. <laughs> and so then when Simeon was five weeks old, uh, we flew North with my baby. And he's nursing, so he's got to go where mama goes. That's just right. So, we were there in this meeting with all these executives at Nick Jr. and and one of them, her name is Brown Johnson. She said, Oh, can I hold the baby? And I handed her Simeon, and he threw up down her black suit. And I said, This is a little (laughs) trip. But we had a show before the end of the day, right?
3: Got back on the top. Yeah.
2: And a within a year, it was on air, and you know, TV doesn't work like that anymore. No, but it was like that, and it because it was grace. I I, my general answer is to how did this happen? It was grace, as Ron said. I it was one thing traveling around the country with one child, the idea of traveling around the country in that big blue van with two children, and it's very good this happened because Simeon was was, not a good traveler.
3: He was not that kind. (laughs) Yes,
2: Simeon was a great traveler. (laughs) But Simeon, he wasn't having it. So the blessing of the show happening. So he was five months old when we shot the pilot for the show. Wow. We
3: introduced, us, uh, we introduced the production team to members of the St. Helena Island, the Gullah Geechee community. That's why when uh, the Gullah, Gullah Island family left our home, we visited real people who spoke yeah. real, a real language. Who lived you know, following these certain beliefs, um, who we had uh the Beaver High School band, and I'm a Beaver High School alum, uh, to perform on the program and other community groups, and that was very exciting.
2: So it,
1: it meant a lot, not just for the both of you, but for the entire community.
3: Yes. Yeah. Exactly.
1: I, I still
2: would find folks who say, Oh, Miss Natalie, I was in that episode where this happened. You yeah. know? Because community just come and and like there was a, a shrimper who lived next door, mm-hmm. Mr. Bradley. He really was the shrimper Ron grew up next door to. Right. Oh, wow. So ranger Mike really was the park ranger out at the beach. Mm-hmm. So this was just um, folk. I band. remember
1: Ranger Mike.
2: Yeah. Mike <laughs> <The> life, <nightlife>. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so you all were, yeah. y'all were reality TV before there was reality TV, like. More or less. less.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but you know good and well. In real life, if you are a parent, it take more than twenty three minutes to resolve the problem. Right. Yeah. yeah
1: very true. Very true. <laughs> but I don't know. I feel like maybe if my parents would have sung me a song or you know did an arts and crafts like something, I think that it could have been resolved in twenty three
3: minutes. Those are, things, those are things that we did in in real life that the production team saw and modeled for the the TV. Yeah. Gullah, Gullah Island family yeah. Yeah. we sang with our kids we always did right. yeah.
2: um we sang in our house we always did and mm-hmm. we still do.
3: many so. of the songs were spirituals that the uh that the musical team more or less adapted to a more rhythmic kind of um performance to our, for a children's song. so it was wow. great.
1: I remember, those songs were so powerful because I, I can still remember some to this day.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. There was uh, a really great team of, of musicians. Um, Billy Coben, Peter Lurie, and Gail, Gail Sky, Sky King. She was <laughs> from Barbados. <laughs> so any song you had, you got to have that kind of a Bale Yes, song, Gail Sky right. King. Right.
3: Yeah.
2: I love that. I love that.
3: Very similar to Gullah Gisha culture, culture um, and the rhythms of our music. Yes. So there was this diaspora, kind, African diasporic uh, wow. influence or infusion uh, of the show. And there were numerous people around the world who responded to us today that this was the first time in their lives that they saw people who looked like them, who lived like them. And we recently um, uh, visited the International African American Museum in Charleston, South Carolina, and there were many of the curatorial staff who came out. Heard that we were there and said, "Wanted us to know this is Galapagos Islands reason that they're doing what they're doing today."
1: Yes, I think that really just speaks to the impact that you both had on the culture in general, um, and it's definitely it's still relevant today. Yeah, genuinely, yeah.
2: Very grateful. Oh, yeah. I'm grateful for Maria Perez saying, hey, maybe we can do a show about you. I really mm-hmm. appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Got to put in Kathleen. In Kathleen, this, yes. because <laughs>
3: she said, okay. Yes, this can be done. Um, and I think it was Kath, Kathy Minton, who had, she had worked with puppets before. And that's why, you know, the excitement of Benya, Benya, yeah. Pollywog, And they're asking us for cultural references. Binya is actually a Gullah Geechee term. I'm a Binya and I'm not a frog or a polywog. but someone who was born in the Gullah Geechee community who has been here or Binya is known as a Binya. And if you double a word in uh, Gullah Geechee, it means very much so. Uh, you can look good, or you look good-good, or you look good-good-good. So, Binya Binya Paliwag supposedly has been on Gullah Gullah Island for a very long time.
0: Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to fill that excitement all over again, because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.
1: I love how y'all just broke that down. Like, that's just mind blowing. <laughs> I feel like I'm learning so much in this one conversation. If, if you all can kind of like tell us more about the Gullah Geechee people of South Carolina. I know, um, you know, I, I know Mr. Ron, that's where you're originally from. Uh, if you could tell us more about the history.
2: I'm going to I'm going to defer to him, but I will say <laughs> that yeah. um, Gullah Geechee people aren't just in South Carolina. They're coastal from like um, northern Florida, like around St. Augustine, up to southern North Carolina. So okay. that's the Georgia coast. It's the rice producing areas of the coastal um, United South South Southern coastal United it's, States. And so now I'm going to just hand that to Ron. By just okay.
3: Well, just recent? No, that's
1: great information. I thought it was just in South Carolina. So, okay.
3: And they're descendants of people who have been born in those communities, uh, stretching from Wilmington, North Carolina, down throughout South Carolina, George, all the way down to St. Augustine, Florida, who now live elsewhere and they've taken their culture, aspects of our heritage with them. Natalie and I just visited Ghana. West Africa, um, nice. it was my second visit. And on my first visit to Ghana almost 20 years ago, as soon as the plane landed, I began to see all these people who look like my father's people and this wow. aunt so-and-so and uncle so-and-so and um, people from the St. Saint, Saint Helena Island community. Um, and I would had DNA testing done. Following that visit and the subsequent year visiting Sierra Leone, where I saw people who looked like my mother's people, and found out that my ancestry is from the Ewe and Akan peoples of Ghana, West Africa. And my maternal lineage is from the Temne people of Sierra Leone. Those uh, Africans who were who were enslaved and brought to these communities came primarily from the rice coast countries, present day. Mm Gambia, Guinea, Guinea, the South, Sierra Leone, and Liberia, but also from non-producing, non-rice-producing countries like the Gold Coast countries of Ghana, Togo, Benin, Nigeria, and also West Central African countries, uh, Cameroon, Gabon, uh, Angola. That's where our ancestors hailed from. And uh, Gala sounds a lot like Angola. Uh, But most of the Africans who were brought to this country to produce rice came from the rice coast countries. And in Sierra Leone and Liberia, their tribal groups known as the Golas and the Gizi, spelled K-I-S-S-I, but pronounced Gizi sounds a lot like Ginti. And that that African heritage, our spiritual beliefs, our customs, um, our traditions, our food ways, and our language, come from those West Africans. And that, in an essence, is what Gullah Gigi heritage is all about.
1: Amazing. And if I'm not mistaken, the, the language is still spoken in those specific still, areas.
3: And it is very um, akin to the languages like the Jamaican Patois. And mm-hmm. also, if you were to hear, uh, let's see, people from Uh, the Rice Coast countries, uh, the Gold Coast countries who speak English. um, And many of these were uh, colonized by Britain, But when they speak um, their languages, when they speak English, they sound almost like the Gullah Geechee that you'd hear in the Southeastern United States. Some of the same grammatical rules, like the TH is substituted with a D, uh, S- Words that begin with an STR would be substituted with an SKR. Street would be pronounced as street. Um, ask would be pronounced as axe. And for years, in my childhood, even today for the most part, uh, it had been considered that those who spoke Bella Gietje did so because of thick tongues, big lips, or low intelligence as a way of throwing shade at African hair. Wow. But it's took great skill for these enslaved people who had never spoken the languages of those with whom they had been enslaved and put on enslaved ships and on uh, enslaved uh, prisons to develop a language uh, that everyone could understand and that has withstood time. And as you said, it's still spoken to them.
1: I think that really just speaks to the resilience of our people. It
3: does. Like,
1: like you can literally just just see our um, our swag, like the way, even the way we talk. Like, I didn't know that the way "ask" uh, is pronounced like "ax." Like, I, I say that, and I didn't know that that was a <laughs> direct <in that laughs>
2: connection that's
3: heritage that's been passed exactly. down generationally. Yes. Why did you speakers can code switch? We can speak Gullah Geechee, but at the appropriate time, we can speak English as well as possible, but that is what known as code switching. And that is something that has helped with the resilience or knowing for teachers to allow their students to know that they can speak a certain way in their homes, but in the uh, environment, the work environment, it's best to be able to be able to switch to speaking English more fluently. Yeah. So,
1: so even thinking about code switching, you both uh, were great examples of what it means to show up authentically uh, to the world. You know, with your culture, with your heritage, and I wonder, like, did you ever experience that pressure to possibly conform to what TV was looking for, that to fit in a certain box?
2: Interestingly enough. <laughs> One of the early directors asked Ron if he wanted a a vocal coach. We're like, "Uh, no. Right. (laughs) Because this is Gullah Gullah Island. Why would he not want to sound like himself?
3: But at that time, I I don't Uh, think uh, that director was aware that this was a real program of cultural, a particular, of a particular culture. uh, speakers in television and movies are to speak this um unknown kind of it's an unreal um language. I forgot just what it's called. They used to call it a mid-Atlantic yes. accent, yeah. Mm. Correct. But you know. And that's what she was looking for. And I couldn't understand what was different about the way that I spoke, but she heard something different that she did not wish to hear. And at different times when I have done um, auditions for different uh, movies or that's that's a whole thing. Well, can you speak, um, get rid of that accent? Um, can you, and I would, well, I don't necessarily hear the accent. Right. When I've gotten older. I hear it. I think it's, but when I was younger, no, I don't, I, I don't know what you're talking about. But they was, no, nah, they, they can't use because they were looking for a different sound.
1: Wow. Well, I'm here to say I appreciate that you all didn't <laughs> take the vocal coach because it meant so much seeing people who looked like us, who spoke like us uh, on TV. It, it really did. I wonder, did, did that ever happen with um like appearance wise as well? Like, was that ever a conversation?
2: No, 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 not really. It wasn't about our appearance. It wasn't. I mean, I was a full figured woman. So you know, I got a little pushback in the wardrobe room the first year. <laughs> okay, but the second year there was another full figure black woman and running the wardrobe <laughs> room from then on. So you I know, love that. I had to work through my own and also you know things like finding a makeup artist who like the first season the the pilot. They had no idea. Ron told the makeup artist during the pilot. He said, "James's legs are ashy. She wouldn't put
3: water on them." Like, no, 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 that cannot be done. That that <laughs> that is not the solution. That, that. No. <laughs>
2: but the production team was really um, on top of making sure that everybody then, with that was involved with Gullah, Gullah Island, um, they brought in, they brought in Latinx, they brought in black, they brought in that type of team surrounding us. And that made such a difference. So me being, um,
3: yeah. you know, bigger black woman, am I being a dark complexioned person? Yeah. They had to make sure that lighting was different that worked well for me as well as yeah. lighter complexioned people. Yeah,
2: and they and they did. They they were good. They were able to do that. Yeah. So that was amazing. A positive yeah.
3: experience. Yeah,
2: I didn't feel any. And you know, and I had I had all the little locks and braids. I remember the braids. I remember. Yeah. I love them. <laughs> They asked me, it's like, what should we do with your hair? And I said, well, you know, I did, I did the Black girl thing. We're going to be so. we're going to do. We, we need to braid this.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then we don't have a problem. And so I ended up going up to Brooklyn to Kemet Kinks. I don't know if they're still there. And they gave me that little pixie braid. I swear it took like, it felt like it took a week.
3: <laughs> but uh, <laughs> if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a big mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your mcdonald's bag as a placemat then that wasn't a road trip it was just a really long drive At participating mcdonald's <laughs>
2: that and so i got to be we got to be ourselves and you know just a little aside one day some years after the show ended, or maybe the show had just about ended, a white woman and her little girl had come up to me and the woman said, you know, my daughter, she just loves you so much and she wants hair like yours. And I keep telling her, but your hair is pretty. And that was a mind blowing because I grew up with, you know, you always wanted hair like long straight hair like this. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so this little white girl, she wanted hair like mine. Wow. I was like, Wow. wow. Yeah! Wow, I
1: I really think that that speaks so much too about how you all influence a culture that outside of our own as well, um, Mm -hmm. as a result of like showing up as yourselves. Even you know, thinking about the children that you've impacted. Um, again, me at my big age, like (laughs) I remember (laughs) the, (laughs) I remember the songs. I remember you know learning like the fungi, a lafia. I like I remember that. Like I can still (laughs) sing that today. Um, and that really brought about a sense
3: of... While the show was in production, we would be uh, in airports. There would be college, university students who would see us and who would tell us they skipped classes daily to watch the, to watch the show.
1: <laughs> I believe that. Like, <laughs> we woke up early in the morning in the summertime to watch the show. So I can see that. Um, and it, it really played a role in like, you know, our mental health and building self-esteem of black children. And I wonder, like, was that intentional? Did you know the the mental health impacts that you were going to have on this generation?
2: Oh, no, we had no idea what that mm-hmm. would be, but we knew what we wanted for our kids. That's what we knew. Mm-hmm. We knew that there was nobody who looked like my daughter or our son that they could see on any consistent basis. And we wanted that. So, um, but we weren't thinking, what will be the mental health impact, you know, 20, 30 now years out. And I have to say that one of the blessings of being a healthy person in my senior years is that I keep meeting these amazing people like you who say, wow, the work that you did made such a difference in our life. And that's like, that's wonderful. We, we didn't know. We didn't know, we were um, uh, storytellers and performers. And what we did know was that we dedicated our lives to telling the stories of our people. That mm-hmm. was, that's purpose, that's the purpose. That's what you do, that's what you do. And what I say now is that our family's, our family's motto is Sankofa. Everything we do is Sankofa. We knew that, but we had no idea how that was gonna play out. <laughs>
1: I love that. The fact that you all were able to and willing to kind of put yourselves out there, put your culture out there, and it made such a significant impact beyond what you were even imagining. Um, it really speaks to the dedication that you have for the work.
3: But um, there's, there are certain aspects that were just germane to who we were as parents or being the products of the communities into which we were born. Um, during one of the early seasons, um, with the influence of the puppet characters, it seemed like the puppets were the ones who were handling all of the conflict, and the children. And we said, "No, no, no! Well, we think we find that the parents are the ones that need to be utilized during the first season." Um some of the production team, uh, they had an issue with our being addressed as Mr. Ron or Miss Natalie and just should be Natalie or Ron. No, 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 you no. yeah, we don't do that. You got
2: <laughs> <Natalie>. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't do that.
3: And they followed through.
2: They, yeah. And so, yes, the, the production <laughs> team, they were always really responsive. Okay. Really responsive too, but what we shared about the culture and what we knew about um, our community, and in our community, you respect your elders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we could not we could not model we could not model something that we would not allow in our home. Right.
1: Exactly.
2: And my children still love you. They're your peers. They're like they still <laughs> like Miss Miss Barbara and Miss you know Misty. D- but I do too, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I'm an elder. But there are people who are my elders, mm-hmm. and when I address my elders, I give them a title, unless exactly. they ask me not to. Right, I just exactly don't. that is a cultural norm.
3: And mm-hmm. if, to this to this day, if there are younger or much younger interviewers who address me as Ron, wait, wait a minute. <laughs>
1: That just made me cringe a little bit.
3: Are they doing that? <laughs> well, we don't know each other like that. Uh, there are one thing, it was in 2005, I participated in their historic trip to Sierra Leone. It's one of the Gullah Geechee homecomings. Halfway around the world, we were on a ferry to uh, Bunce Island, which is one of the slave prisons where a number of Africans who had been enslaved last saw their homelands when they were boarded on ships from Bunce Island. On this ferry, because we were wearing our Priscilla's homecoming, a Gullah homecoming t-shirts, someone on the ferry asked um, the coordinator, not knowing it was the coordinator of the trip, is that Gullah, as in Gullah, Gullah Island? And he said, why, yes and the star of that show is right over there. And he came smiling, wanting to take um, a selfie uh, with me for his four or six year old son. He was a Nigerian living in Germany who watched the show daily with his son. And he wanted me to know how much he enjoyed the colors, the people, the language of that show. It related to him so very closely. To how he had grown up in his Nigerian home.
1: I love that. And, you know, I know I keep talking about the impact, but I really hope that you guys feel as though you're getting your flowers today because you certainly deserve them. Thank you.
2: Thank you.
3: Thank you. you. Yeah. Um, You received an email, something on social media. Recently, from a young woman who had watched. Yeah,
2: this was a a letter I got from a young white woman who grew up in um,
3: a Midwestern,
2: some very, very white place where she had never seen a real black person. Wow. And she grew up, she and her little brother, in a very racist home. But they watched (laughs) every day. And she said, "Um, I watched you every day and I loved you. And because of you, my brother and I did not grow up like that. And eventually I was able to impact my parents and I'm a teacher now. And honestly, I, it just makes me really, I'm like, yes, you don't, you don't know, you don't mm-hmm. know. And so I think so yeah, I'll, I'll just move quickly through that, that sometimes you do what you're led to do. And for yeah. us, that was this work. And when we, I will say that it wasn't always easy because people didn't actually understand what we were doing. Mm -hmm. we're telling these stories, even before Gullah Island, we're telling these stories and we're singing these songs, and there are people who are like, first, why are you singing all that old stuff? Why are you telling the stories about what used to be? And also, um, when we were pregnant with my son, and we were like, we need to do something different, there was also the kind of advice, like, well, okay, y'all have fun playing around now. (laughs) Y'all need to just go get a real job, you know, like with The jobs that we were often funneled into um, in the black uh, education, social work. um, There is room for you there. Mm -hmm. Want to do something good, then you go work for the system. And you're like, that's not it. Mm -hmm. We don't know what it is, but we know that. Exactly. And so to be here now to look and say the impact that we were able to make by not following that guidance. Is so much more than if I had just been sitting up working in the DSS office, just waiting for yeah. my pension. And I'm not saying that's all that's done there. That's right. they do hard work. They do very hard work. But that wasn't our work. This was our work. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm a firm believer that you know that that's your that was your purpose yeah. to tell these stories to impact the lives of children throughout generations, throughout nations as well. Um, I wonder, like, could there ever be a chance of there being a a reboot or?
3: (laughs) I would love that. There very well may be a reboot. And if there is, we don't know anything about it. (laughs) No, no, no. Um,
1: Okay.
3: It's a Viacom product. Um, Our son has expressed an interest in a variation
0: Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
3: Of a uh, Gullah Gullah Island type of show, and maybe that may come into being. Yeah, he's he's done a whole, um, what do you call it? Like a Bible.
2: Like a Bible, a press book, a thing on a variation of Gullah Gullah Island or Gullah Island. But so, what he's thinking? Like, you know how they redid the Fresh Prince? Yes. So for a slightly different audience, it's more so That's what he's playing with. Okay. And he's in L.A. doing stuff. So who knows? Mm-hmm. What we told him is we love you, Simeon. And he said, "Well, if I do it, you know, you're gonna help. You're gonna get involved. So I will get involved to the level that you want me to, because mm-hmm. that's my son." Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, well, speaking for. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> speaking for you know the millennials out there we would love to see that we really would so mm-hmm. if it does happen for sure for sure um, do you guys have anything coming up or anything that we can
2: um you know support you on we now got stuff now okay a, we got okay we both have books coming out <laughs> so october 10th is when my book release is a children's book I wrote it and illustrated it. It's called Okra Stew, a Gullah Geechee Family Celebration. Um, it's published by um, Charles Holt Imprint of Macmillan Publishing. So you can pre-order now in all the places where you can pre-order books. Tell everybody, tell everybody. So I'm really pleased and proud of that book. I am an artist, I'm a visual artist. And so um, I, I paint, uh, I tell stories that way a lot. And so, um, You can see my work here and there and there and there, but it'll be in this book. And Ron has a book coming out. Yes,
3: I have a book entitled Raptors in the Rice Lands. It's an historical um, fiction uh, novel about a, uh, a fictional Gullah Geechee community of Georgetown, South Carolina. And it tells about uh, just the use, the connections of Gullah and other um, African diasporic communities. There is a couple who wishes, it's a twist on philanthropy, and they learn different aspects about giving, giving and the expectations of giving and helping and leaving a legacy uh, for their children that will be by Brandy Lane Publishing. The publication date has not been set. I've been told it will be this fall. And Natalie and I will be republishing uh, several books that have been out of print for a while. And that includes the very first one that we began during uh, our Sea Island Montage performance with. And that book was Reminiscences of Sea Island Heritage, Freedmen, um, of St. Helena Island, uh also Gullah Branches with African Roots, which uh was a, a prequel, a, a sequel, uh almost 20 years later. Um uh, wow. the same way, but um in that book I told tell about the the songs uh well I would hear these old spirituals during my trips to Ghana and Sierra Leone and I use new lyrics to the tunes of these old spirituals, plus writings about the experiences. Gullah Branches, West African Roots. There's a children's book uh, that we self-published called Little Muddy Waters, a Gullah Folk Tale about this mischievous little boy whose grandma kept uh, having to remind him to mind your manners and do what's right. And also there's the Gullah Storybook, a counter uh, for the numbers one through 10. So hopefully by the end of, of summer, early fall, those will be re-released. Um, and also we uh, developed uh, a set, it's called Go Wisdom Cards, and that will come back into, uh, into production also, around the same time that these books are reintroduced.
1: That's amazing. You have a lot going
2: on. There's a lot going on. I was listening to him, and I just wanted to lie down. <laughs> <laughs> I was like.
1: But I, th- I think that's just a testament of how much you all are doing for the culture. Like, amazing. So we have multiple books. We have, like, so many things lined up. Yeah. Um, if you all don't mind, uh, Miss Natalie, if you can email me the links to, like, the books and, you know, everything that you guys have lined up. And we'll put it in the show notes so that our viewers can watch. I Will do
2: that, and I'll also share my website because I say I am an artist. I'd love folk to look. Yes. I have original art, but I also have prints which folk may be interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been doing a are we're, we're, we're fairly busy, yeah, but we are busy absolutely doing what we're, we're living in purpose, so we're, we're living For in sure. Purpose. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are days like today, Ron came out to my art studio and he's saying, Have you done this and this? and I was like, so I spent most of today, I walked out of the studio and I sat on the porch. And I watched the birds and the butterflies and all that. And that's what I did today. I sat on the porch and I love it. I get back into the studio. I have paintings to do. I have commissions to complete.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, and we have books. Yeah. And two years ago, um, I released um two novellas. Uh, they're called my Gichi Literature Series. Uh, the titles are We Wear the Mask, Unravel Truths in a Pre-Gullah Community, and Turtle Dove Dun His Wings, A Gullah Tale of Fight or Flight. They're sold on um, Amazon.com and also my Etsy shop, Geechee Literature.com. Um, and, uh, and I have been baking Mr. Okay, Ron's Gullahlicious pound cakes
1: i saw that on instagram
2: i need a pound cake
3: i have to say
2: that that was a that was a definite courtship thing um, <laughs> Invited me out to dinner. I walked in the house. He pulled the cake out the oven. I smelled like melted butter and sugar. I thought, okay.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. So I need Mr. Ron to uh teach these
2: young men now how to court with the pound cake. <laughs> Let me tell you. I mean, yeah, it's nice that you got a good car. I appreciate that. That's nice. Can you bake? Can you bake? Can I get a pound cake out of this? <laughs> Can I get a cake out of this?
3: Right. <laughs> And Natalie's father baked. Yes. I baked. Mm-hmm. So, our daughter Sarah, um, when her uh, grandmother spoke about baking a cake, she was baffled. She's
2: like, mm-hmm.
3: ladies are so baked. Ladies
2: are big. <laughs> <My dad. laughs> and I held that she do not bake. I do not. Here's, ideally, food that I eat shows up <laughs> when I eat it. Ideally, I have nothing to do with the production. I will pay for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And both of our
3: shows. and I are on the same boat. <laughs> they would go to, um, you know, out with their friends, their homes, and, oh, no, that's box cake. I, yeah, they don't
2: eat no box cake. <laughs> And
1: I remember Mr. Ron, you, you baked on the show as well, right? Because
3: yes, yes, that's one of the things that. that the creative team saw. Yes. And they followed us around. Oh, yeah. They just
2: they really did just mm-hmm. say, You be yourselves.
3: Yeah. That's, and I love that's it. Like big fat biscuits. They saw me baking biscuits.
2: He makes great biscuits. <laughs> and he was baking every weekend for the kids. There was the biscuits. And there was one biscuit. That he called the daddy biscuit because it was the biggest biscuit. When you had all the dough left after you cut all the other ones, he would make one big biscuit, the daddy biscuit. And oh my children wanted the daddy biscuit, but he's the daddy. But there would <laughs> always be and we get the daddy biscuit, the big, the big biscuit. You know, that's what uh <laughs> they
1: wanted. I'm I'm, I'm gonna get in so much trouble. I'm supposed to be
2: doing keto, which is low carb, but I'm gonna to have to get me a Ron. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing keto. I've been doing keto since January, which means I walk into the house from the studio and it smells like cake, but I don't eat it. Uh, that's willpower. Mm-hmm. But that willpower. do not think that I have not had my share of cake. Okay. <laughs> We've <laughs> been married for thirty eight years. Thirty eight years? That's right. Congrats. Well, I've had my share of cake. I have not had my share of cake. <laughs> yeah. so you are amazing. Yeah. Before
1: the oh, yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm certainly going to order one of the pound (laughs) cakes. I'm not
3: joking. (laughs) It was definitely if you can came about because um, when I started baking for the public, that was after Gullah Gullah Island had ended, and I'd find the customers. They'd tell me they would put the cake boxes below their beds or in their closets because the cake was for them it was for no one else in their family or household so we like oh share a slice if you can
2: if
1: you can <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know it's-
2: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help thank you thank you Enjoy. of
1: course of course it
2: was
1: <laughs> i'm sorry can you say that I again i hope we
2: didn't derail you you know
1: no thank this you. was a genuine conversation i'm you know <laughs> talking to two of my heroes from childhood so i'm i'm good this was a a pleasure just to be in your presence i'm really appreciative thank you, thank I, you. yes for sure for sure um so if it it's not too much would you mind closing us out and
3: the Gullah Gullah Island theme. Song. <laughs> we should. We should. <laughs> I mean, um, in um, in Ghana recently, that was just last week. Uh, and Natalie had gone up on this suspension bridge. I'd been twenty years ago, so I didn't go this time. I was in the museum, and I turned the corner, and there was someone. She said, "I know you." you know me. Have you been on TV, yes. I said, Um, what, what, what have you been on? I said, Gullah, yes. That's right. She's been telling her child about this show, this amazing show with people like us who, um, she was from New York, she said, and um, they need more shows like that. And of course, she now, could you sing? She warned her daughter oh, to take a picture, would you yeah. sing? Sing this, and was, I said, Well, go ahead. And she started, but you're not singing. She's like, okay. <laughs> Well, come and <laughs> let's play together in the bright sunny weather. Let's all go to Gullagulla Island, Lot to see and to do. There, all we need now is you. There, let's all go to Gullagulla Island. Just take your foot in your hand.
2: That means hurry up
3: and don't miss the good things that we planned. So come and let's play together in the bright sunny weather. Let's all go to Gullah Gullah Island, Gullah Gullah Island, Gullah Gullah Island. thank
1: you so much (laughs) that was amazing that was amazing i appreciate the both of you from the bottom of my heart i really do (laughs) for sure for sure so yes i will definitely contact you all um regarding those links in the show notes and we're here to support in whatever way we can thank
2: you very much
1: absolutely thank you again for coming
3: Okay. okay